Hey everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. Straight up, we're starting right away getting to the point. <laughs> I don't have a little show tune to begin and um, even though, I mean, music is nice, I might begin to actually add some towards the end as we close out some of the songs that I'm pulling out of the bin from when I used to play in my um, 90s, I think, band, and also some new stuff that I'm working on. But today's episode is called Fighting for More Life, and I am going to share with you guys my experience in the last two months, three months, I think, of having to go through the whole medical system of MRI and a lump in the breast and decided to take out my implants that I've had for 18 years. And so the thing about these implants and by fighting for more life and having kind of like this breast cancer death infection hovering over me a couple of years after my mom's death and with the whole COVID thing and then creating in a space for what we call death cafe, which is a grief circle where we discuss death and belief systems and fears and anxieties and get really somatically into the body to remember that really all we have is this moment right here right now to enjoy and to process but it's difficult to stay in the moment when you haven't figured some shit out so we need grief circles and we need to gather and we need to do the work and whatever our journeys uh, provide for us whatever spirit provides for us to grow and so uh, around the beginning of this year, I began to feel like one of my implants was a little bit more encapsulated than the other. And they always have, the thing is when you put implants in, they're always going to have this capsule form around it because it's a foreign item that's going in your body. But, you know, many, many years ago when I just decided that I wanted to look like all these magazine people and have big boobs after I had nursed my daughter for over a year, I didn't even think twice to look at the paperwork. I showed up, found the best doctor, did my re- my research, talked to a lot of women that had them. They look great, blah, blah, blah. Went to this dude, boom, 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 signed the documents, in and out. And I was thrilled to have a big boobs, right? And they looked amazing because this dude is the bomb. And I told him, look, I want to nurse after I have them. So he put them under the muscle. And I thought it was all, I mean, I didn't. I didn't do any research. I didn't think about it. Of course, I was a different person 18 years ago. And, you know, I honestly, the guy was like, you don't want him that big. You work out a lot. You run. You do a lot of exercise. Just, you know, stay to a size that is true to your body frame. So he's actually a really smart doctor, too. And many years went by. I I got pregnant. I've nursed my other, my second son. I mean, my second child also every year. And then when my mom was really, really sick, even before she was sick, I'd heard a couple of people share about just having them removed because why do we want these implants in there? And honestly, the more I became aware of my body, really practicing yoga, because even though I've always been aware and I've always been working out and an athlete and very somatic, it was just, I didn't really think about having plastic inside my body. (laughs) And of course, my brother says, it's not plastic, it's silicone. Well, whatever. It's something foreign. It's a foreign object that's inside. And it's not like a pacemaker where I needed it or a, a knee replacement. This is cosmetic because of vanity and because of wanting to look like what I thought was the idea of sexy and sensual and whatever. And so I um, 
I really thought four years ago, first I heard this chick called Angie talk about how she had them removed and all of her autoimmune symptoms went away. And I thought, hmm, isn't that interesting? Because I didn't get any autoimmune shit until about maybe three or four years after I had the implants put in. That's when I figured out that I was allergic to this and was fatigued and the thyroid and blah, blah, blah. And who knows whether or not it was that, but that's when everything began. So a few years back, I thought I'm going to take these out. And I went to La Jolla and I made an appointment with a very fancy doctor. Of course, I wasn't going to get the surgery there. I couldn't afford it, but I just thought I'm just going to go ask. And I told him, hey, should I get these changed, you know? He said, and this is a very reputable doctor, by the way. I mean, a lot of people that I know that are looking amazing and they all went there and, you know, it wasn't like I just went to some random dude. And this guy was older and this is what he said to me. He said, why would you change them if there's nothing wrong? I said, well, because I've been in there like over 10 years and this one's kind of encapsulated and I just, I don't know. He's like, we would be millionaires if we had to switch them out every 10 years. You're fine. No, just leave them. It's not a big deal. I said, well, um, all right, fine. I mean, while I was there, he did <laughs> give me an estimate for tons of other shit that he suggested. How about you do the eyes and this? I'm like, no, no. Okay, I'm, I'm out. And the thing is, there's been a lot of plastic surgery in my family, except for my mom. My mom never, never wanted to do plastic surgery. I think after she got breast cancer, or probably even before that, she was just like, I am not going to go under the knife for that and what if they mess it up and I don't want that anesthesia and that's just unnecessary and she didn't even give me these excuses she just said no I'm not I'm not gonna do it mind you my grandmother did try to bully her to <laughs> to do something I mean she would make an appointment for something else for her bring my mom along and my mom was there oh surprise the appointment is actually for you how about we do something for her because look at her eyes look at her skin and my grandmother meant well yes she thought that if you looked amazing you'd be more valued and loved and my mom was like, no, dude, I'm not doing that. None of that. And so a couple of years went by, and I thought, I really want to get these implants out, especially after my mom died. I didn't, it's like I can't, you know, you can't lay down really comfortable on the bed, even on the massage bed or on the yoga floor, because there's always these, like, bumps there that aren't really yours and that you can feel. And... I went to the naturopath, which is a doctor I see after my mom passed away. And I said, I think I'm going to take these, these motherfuckers off. I said, I don't really want foreign substances in my body. And she said to me, well, I'm not sure that's a good idea right now because there's nothing wrong with them. And your body just went through so much stress and trauma that why are you going to put it through a, 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 an operation like that right now? Surgery anesthesia I mean it's a lot on your body I was like fine okay whatever then the whole you know COVID thing hit locked up whatever and so this year I really felt that it was one of them was getting a little bit inflamed and I called the doctor and I'm like I need an MRI of course they want you to do a mammogram the whole system is like first mammogram then this then this and I told her look I'm not going to do a mammogram because I have implants and I haven't done a mammogram in three or four years. You're going to get me an MRI because when you have implants, the MRI squeezes them and it's just, what the fuck is the point? Well, I really wish you would do No, 
schedule the MRI. I do this other thing. I do silk image screening every year. And I don't like things being forced on me. And the other issue too is like you do you do a mammogram and everybody listening, do your mammogram, do whatever you want. This is just my experience and this is just my opinions. When they find something in the mammogram, what happens next? Ultrasound. What happens next? MRI. So why don't they just start with a fucking MRI to begin with? So anyway, I, I wrote a letter to the doctor. I said, look, my mom had breast cancer. And you've done MRIs for me before because I have implants. Just order the damn MRI so the stupid insurance can pay for it. It's my insurance that I bought, that I pay for. Why do I have to be at your mercy for something that I am buying? So anyway, they said, fine, I go do the MRI. And this is the story about fighting for more life. Because I didn't think twice about getting an MRI. I've done them before because I had implants. It's not a big deal. But I arrive at the MRI place in my little yoga outfit. Because I practice yoga and meditation and I teach breath. And calming the nervous system down. And I'm a somatics guide. And as I'm walking into the hospital, down to the, I'm in Scripps Hillcrest Mercy Hospital, and in these dungeons are like downstairs where they have the, I mean, it's not the dungeon, but it looks like a dungeon because oh, so many times that my mom was in these little rooms in the hospital in emergencies or this, another procedure, and I start walking in there and here's when the PTSD starts crawling up my back, right? I'm like, what's the big deal? It's just an MRI to see what's in there. And I go inside and I begin to notice my body getting tense, tense, tense. And I'm just like, deep breath in, feel your toes, calm the fuck down. It's just an imaging. What the hell? And, but dude, when I, you know, they made you change your robe and, and also the play, okay, so the, the hallways are like white and old and there's no plants on there. There probably no plants. They, they probably can't live. There's no windows, but they could at least have some fake ones to make it look some, I don't know, decoration, a fish tank. I mean, it's so like, it looks like an asylum. It looks like a, it's just so intense. And then I remembered my mom and beds coming back and forth with people with tubes coming in and out. And just the whole sadness and fear was creeping all over my body. And these guys, you know, these 12-year-olds that are doing the MRI screening, okay, come in, put your robe on, blah, 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 take off all your earrings and step over here and we're going to put a, a contrast in. And I'm like, a contrast? What is that? Oh, it's like this chemical, but it's part of your body. But don't worry, your your body will get rid of it in 24 to 48 hours. Here I am trying to avoid... The mammogram squeezing your boob and the fucking radiation. But now I'm getting these chemicals in my blood. So it's too late then. I sit down and I just, I start to get really dizzy. I'm like, I think I'm going to faint. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, are you all right? I'm like, no, yeah, I'm fine. It's just like, what? Yeah, what? Just put the freaking IV thing. He puts the IV and they tell me this isn't going to be comfortable because you get in this MRI too. Naked. I mean, you have the little robe face down with two holes for your breasts and then the little thing to put your face in and it's not really uncomfortable it's like you're getting like it's, it really is like you're on a therapy bed or a massage bed but your arms have to be straight up in front of you 
So you're literally like in surrendering to goddess position, like, oh God. And then there's this tube here. Well, the IV, but they don't start the IV yet. So you're laying flat on this machine and you can't see anything. And they tell you, okay, we're going to squeeze you down into the tube and you cannot move, breathe. I mean, you can't do anything for 40 minutes. I'm like, fine, I'm just going to breathe here. And they roll you back in and then these really loud noises start up. I don't know if you've ever had an MRI, but it sounds like you're in the construction place or just weird noises. And I'm telling you, every other MRI I've ever had, I mean, I've only had like two or three. It wasn't a big deal. I breathed through them. I didn't give a shit. But this time I realized, okay, I'm an embodied example of PTSD. uh, And here I am fighting for more life. All of what I read and teach and say and do. And here I am just thinking of my mom who did so many tests and CAT scans and MRIs and more poking in her veins and more chemicals and more medications. And and I feel, and it's not even that I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I mean, mama, oh, mommy. No, I am like feeling her fear in, in my body. Like my, you know, when dogs... The mailman comes up and they're barking at it and their hair gets up through the back of their spine all the way through the to the end of their skull. That's how I felt, like my whole body. And I noticed it. So I, I had to do these breathing noises where I was like inhaling and literally doing the vagal like... I had to make these noises on the exhale. And I just started to breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, like long exhales getting all into my body, feeling, doing what I've been practicing for years and teaching for years, but it wasn't working. I mean, it wasn't working. I mean, it worked after 40 minutes. By the time it was over, I was like, hey, what's up? Like, that wasn't a big deal. But the whole process, I just realized, like, the bodies remember this fear and we are programmed so intensely to live, to fight for life, for more life. And all I could think about when I was in there, actually, I wasn't even thinking about anything. I was feeling it. I was feeling like, oh my God, when this ends, and maybe this is how scared my mom was before, you know, all the whole time before she was like not wanting to die. There comes a point, I think, where the body's so tired, you start seeing, you know, your ancestors and you're in this realm of back and forth when you're like, all right, fine. I mean, you don't really have a choice, but maybe you do, who knows, but you release. And I just, my body was so tense. And when I left there, you know, I got up, they took out the IV, I got dressed and the guy's like, of course, I'm looking at the computer, like, okay, what's in there? Like, what is in there? Is it cancer? Is it a tumor? Like what? And these 12 year olds and, oh, I hope you feel better. Well, what the fuck do you mean? I hope you feel better because I don't feel bad at all. I feel fine. I'm here because I asked for this MRI because I think there's something wrong with this implant that needs to be switched out. What do you mean? What do you mean? I hope you feel better. And you know, they don't say anything. They can't give you the result there. You have to wait for the radiologist to read it. I said, I need a copy of these images right away. I go to records, I get my copy and then I call my surgeon, the same plastic surgery guy who put these babies in, I don't know, 16, 18 years ago. 
And he's so important and busy that I couldn't see him for months and months. But when I called, I said, look, I have this MRI. I need, I need him to please just see me sooner than later. And there was a huge ball, like a little mass that they, they didn't think it was cancer. They're like, we can't tell. I mean, we just don't know what it is. You need to go get a mammogram. I send the MRI to the doctor, to the surgeon, the plastic surgeon, the high end plastic surgeon. Yes. And he tells me, all right, come and see me. Um, I don't know what they're talking about, this mass, but come and see me in a couple of days. He gives me an appointment. And he tells me, it doesn't look like a mass. Do you feel a mass? I'm like, I don't. I just feel like the encapsulation is super tight. And so I go to see him. And oh, by the way, before I went to see him, I said, look, the the real, the regular run of the mill over here, HMO um, insurance that I have is telling me to go do an MRI follow up. And he tells me, well, don't get an MRI. That's stupid. <laughs> I'm like, thank you person who's been operating on breasts for the last 20 years, 30 years. And he does a ton of breast cancer recovery and like re, you know, uh, restructuring and fixes other people's bad surgeries. And he's, I don't know, he's really, really good. And I really trust him. And so I went and I, so I emailing, I'm going back and forth between him and the HMO people, the HMO people. And I'm like, well, if you don't want to do an MRI, then go to an ultrasound. Sure, whatever. I go to the ultrasound and the same thing. They don't know what it is. It doesn't look like cancer. It's, I think it's inside. We don't know. Go to the MRI. And the lady takes five hours trying to convince me. I mean, go to the mammogram, trying to convince me to do a mammogram. And I'm like, I already spoke to the surgeon. These are coming out in a week. Like, why do you want me to do a mammogram? I think the mammogram is what squeezed this implant to begin with. And it's leaking. And that's why there's that ball in there encapsulated. These are just my thoughts and my theories. And of course, yes, I'm angry because the medical system gives you all these freaking prescriptions and don't give a shit about what you eat at home or what your emotional, spiritual life is or what any other alternatives. And so uh, everybody's trained to say, okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. And I think you can advocate and maybe say no and then go get a second opinions and then figure it out. And then maybe you have to come back and do it. But you have options and you pay for that insurance if you have insurance. And even if you don't pay for it and it's given to you for free, or for whatever, you pay those taxes. And even if you're not paying taxes, whatever, it's a service given to you so that you can advocate for yourself and you can wonder and say, should I take that medicine? Should I go to that? Can we do this other option? Can't we just do this instead? And not just fall into this little like rotator belt of the cows and the sheep doing whatever they tell them, right? I mean, I think it was... 20 something years ago when my mom had breast cancer and we were going to do all macrobiotic, healthy, nutritious meal. I mean, everyone's changing the way they eat and the way that they nourish their body. And the oncologist tells my mom, you can do whatever you want. You can eat pizza for all I care. It doesn't matter. When we were starting chemo. So what do you mean you can eat pizza for all you care and it doesn't matter? Of course it matters. The body's like a plant. It matters if you water it with water, if you water it with Kool-Aid. And so, but we're not, you know, and, and I really wish doctors and naturopaths would integrate, like, you know, make it a well-balanced thing. It doesn't have to be one against the other. So, and it's important to know your own body, you know, sovereignty, like what feels good when you eat this? What feels good when you stop eating that? 
and move a little more and breathe and go go outdoors for more for longer than you are indoors in concrete and anyway so many different things we can do to the body and herbs and natural medicine and healing emotions and breath work please everybody read the book breathe by robert nestor breathe well i don't know if his first name is robert but it's called breathe and the last name of the author is nestor <laughs> i can put it on the link here after we're done but so here's a story here's a long story short the doctor sets sets me up for surgery and 10 days before the surgery again every day i'm losing my mind because i'm thinking what about if i die in the anesthesia <laughs> like what if i don't come back my cousin who's a doctor she's an anesthesiologist is telling me oh everybody thinks that but anesthesia now is so safe oh don't even worry you're gonna be fine but the whole time i'm thinking but what if i'm not like you can't, you just go to sleep, but you don't know. And then that's it. Is that all there is? Is that all that, like what? And then I'm, you know, bringing myself down off the cliff. Like, dude, your sister just had surgery six weeks ago because she broke her hand. She's fine. You did this anesthesia 18 years ago. You didn't give a shit back then, right? Getting the boobs in. Your mom had anesthesia 50 million times and she was so fucking unhealthy and way older than you. Come on. So whatever, my friend... Amore decides to drive me to, she offered to drive me to the surgeon, and I was like, yes, yes, please, you know. I mean, Julio could have taken me, but they're working, and I just wanted to go with Amore. I just wanted to go with the girl. She drives me down there. I'm freaking the fuck out. She's, like, calming me down, asking me questions about this. It's okay. I mean, come on. It's anesthesia. We roll into the plastic surgeon's fancy office up in Del Mar, and she's like, look at all these cars. Look at all these. I mean, there's no way these guys can fuck it up. Are you kidding me? I'm like, well, I hope so. And even before I was going to go in, I was so nervous. And the reason I'm talking about this here in the podcast is because I want to normalize being scared. <laughs> and I want to normalize asking for help. I don't know what I would have done without Julio, you know, and Amore, and my sister, and my dad. And everyone's support is like, dude, it's it's chill. Um, And of course, when I got there, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and you know I'm always asking me questions to keep me calm like okay let's think about all the things that you're going to be grateful for like why are you taking these out and what do you want because initially I was just going to exchange them for another ones and then I started thinking about wait a minute wait a minute what is wrong with you take these babies out and then of course my friend sends me the breast illness implant facebook group and you start reading these stories where everybody has these hashimoto symptoms and it turns out once they remove the implants all these autoimmune things are gone and they're not swelling and blah 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 and i don't really have that many symptoms but i have been pretty tired the last year whether or not it's grief or that i haven't worked out as much because the covid shut all the places down um i'm thinking well maybe i have that too I'm for sure have breath spent implants and these things are being intoxicated. And anyway, the whole time I'm sitting there, I, I'm always trying to tell, you know, okay, I'll think about what you're going to be grateful for. I'm breathing in and out. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be grateful that hopefully the toxicity of my body trying to fight these foreign objects is going to be gone. I'm going to find out exactly what is that huge mass that's in there. Um, I'm going to have my regular grease skinny thin body that I didn't like for so long that I honor now 
and I'm so thankful for this body that's held me for so many years and I'm like thank you body and by the way I'm crying like I miss my mom <laughs> I'm always just looking to be like okay what else are we grateful for I'm like I'm grateful for how resilient my body has been and how you know it held me for so much domestic violence that I've talked to it I mean I've been learning to love my body really appreciate it but really honestly it's only been like for the last five six years that has been that I've seen that shift of softness before that it was more of like taking care of my body and there's a difference between taking care and really loving and honoring and thanking this temple this machine this beautiful organic computer that we live in and if we can integrate the taking care of and honoring and loving the body just like maybe you know the allopathic doctors western medicine and the naturopaths and the herb healers can also integrate and you know be cool with each other and do both and so i was just loving on my body the anesthesiologist comes in is this really funny guy dr hashimi he's so nice and he's older and i'm like i'm really worried i think i'm gonna die with the anesthesia i'm never gonna wake up he's like no 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 you need to not be nervous about this i've been doing this for 45 years he totally was funny he calmed me down i go in there and really when they put the little anesthesia thing in um like he said a little joke he comes in puts his music on says a little joke not even five seconds i'm out i'm out i am out to lunch that's it i mean i wake up it seemed like two minutes later and three hours had gone by and i've already been in the recovery room for an hour and i'm like whoa what the fuck it's like i died for that it's like i was dead they were tugging and plugging at my body and i have no idea and i'm still kind of you know like out of it with anesthesia i'm like wait i'm going home already like shouldn't i stay here like overnight what no you're good take antibiotics drink lots of water you know um, sleep with your head elevated off you go julio picked me up julio picked me up um we drove home i'm only pain meds a couple days because after a while i was like i cannot whoa and honestly it didn't it wasn't that bad like it didn't really hurt i mean these little drains on the side that were super fucking uncomfortable but in reality it wasn't bad two days later i said okay no more of these percocets because they were driving my mind insane um like my friend paola says now those are drugs those were really drugs not plant medicine which the government calls drugs that's another thing we could possibly integrate but i um I am about nine days out, nine days out of the surgery. Oh, by the way, yeah, the ball that was in there, it was just a blood clot. There's no cancer. It's all good to go. I mean, the doctor called me the day of the surgery and said, everything's good. We'll see you tomorrow. You don't have cancer. It's fine. It's just a blood clot, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm still going to send it to pathology because you have to. So we waited two, three days for that. And I, I honestly, I think I knew... In my body and in my soul, I just knew that this isn't that this wasn't going to be cancer. But you always want to trust and verify and make sure the pathology report comes in through clean. And it did. <laughs> and now I'm just waiting to recover. And now I have no boobs. I mean, I have these tiny little Griselda boobs. Like they should have been 
<laughs> to begin with. But I, you know, I, I, I don't regret the choice. I did what I did. And I do see a lot of young girls going in there getting implants. And it's just, it's just a lot on our bodies. And maybe you need them to feel good about yourself. Maybe you don't. Maybe we need to change the culture. And, and it is. It is totally changing. But maybe it needs to be a bigger percentage of people seeing our bodies as these beautiful temples that don't need fucking plastic surgery. And I've, you know, live and learn. This is the journey, live and learn, part of my journey, which is why I'm here sharing with everyone my journey. Because this is very healing for me to hear, and I think for a lot of other people to hear. I mean, at least that's what you tell me on the emails, and that's what I think, and and I love, I love doing this. I love um, doing this podcast and having guests and then me coming in here and talking about it. And I know that um, no, even if it had been cancer, it would have been, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Um, one of the things that I want to say really quickly is when I was in that room waiting before the nurse came in oh to do a pregnancy test because mind you i could have been pregnant i was like no 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 even if i'm pregnant we're getting this thing out i mean i'm 50 years old we're not having any more babies at this age of course then she leaves and you're like oh no oh a baby <laughs> no 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 babies but all the things that go through the mind but when she left for quite a while all of a sudden i had no fear no ptsd no trauma nothing i just had a huge moment that i just i smelled my mom thought about my grandma and without me even noticing after a few minutes I was like oh the anxiety's gone it's like wait let's get it back right <laughs> let's go get it no I just I just noticed like I just have to trust whatever happens happens whatever it is it is and living life in this constant anxiety I mean part of it is the human experience and there's no avoiding it but the other part is like noticing, realizing it, becoming aware of how much gas I'm putting into it. And then maybe just pulling out the gas and just, you know, getting your friend to give you a ride there and continuing to realize moments when you're not anxious, becoming aware of that. And right now I realize, especially after having that meeting at OB. You reunify yoga where we had the death cafe and so many people going through so much grief, so much loss, so much fear. And I shared all of this at the death cafe. I mean, I was supposed to be co-teaching with Sarah talking about like, you know, teletology studies and how, what we should do about death and grief practices. And I'm in there like, no, I was losing my shit the other day at the MRI. I noticed my body fighting like a cockroach to stay alive. And so that is part of the human experience. And that is why I share here, and everybody, please come to the next Death Cafe. If you have stuff and fear and grief and loss and ancestors to honor and whatever. Because the community circles and sharing like that is where it's at. And it's the reason why I can come here and talk about it. And post it and share it. And please, give it to all your friends. Send it to all the women. Send it to all the men. Send it to whoever. Um, and talk about it. These experiences are so rich in, in giving each other like a mirroring of like, oh, wait a minute, you freaked out too? Yes, I am. 
and you felt that sense of calm? I did. How was that for you? I don't know. It just came over me like a spirit. And then my body was calm and peaceful. And then I trusted that I've been knowing for two, three, four years I needed to get these guys out. And so I thank my body. I thank the doctor who's amazing. Um, and man, those motherfuckers make some money, man. It is crazy business. I mean, just waiting to go in and out of that office. The people and the women coming and going with a lot of work done. I'm not sure if everybody just went in there scared like me to get them out and try to fight for more life, for a healthier, holistic being and honoring my ancestral roots and my real body and not doing this anymore to myself and loving my body. Um, but I hope so, because I think it's a better place to be in. It's a better, well, who knows what's better? You do you. You know, there's no judgment. This is just my experience and what I wanted for me. I want to live sacred and like honoring my body. So unless someday down the line, someone needs to put a pacemaker in me and I still want to live. Okay, well, I guess we're putting that for an object. Then I wonder if that gets encapsulated too. <laughs> or, you know, a knee replacement, whatever. But meanwhile, I'll walk really slow and I'll take good care. And I hope you all do too. And we're going to keep practicing because even in the freaking out, the breath have kept me from not running and pulling that needle out and freaking, you know, freaking out more, maybe. <laughs> we're going to keep breathing together and mindfulness magic is starting up again this September. A little plug here of uh, we meet every Monday on Zoom. So wherever you're at, you can join us. And we talk about what's happening emotionally, physically, mentally, and we get into a somatic practice and we have a group, it's like group therapy of these practices that we have in, in, in our hands, available to us through breath and connection and somatic movement. And if you want to join us, the link to register is in my website, grisalves.com. Go to the events link. You can register through there. And thanks for listening. I am about to now go record this in Espanol. So um, if you if you want to share this with someone that doesn't speak English, that's in Mexico or, or even up here or wherever, and they want to hear it in Spanish, give me a couple of days and the Spanish one's going to come out too. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take good care. And this is Gris Alves, Tales of Recovery podcast. We'll see you next time.